1: Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support.
2: Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Joel Steiniger.
0: And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talk to the VP of Design at BuzzFeed, Cap Watkins. Joel, what did you think?
2: I like this one a lot. It's a huge team with a lot of different design departments and designing for a lot of different problems from the editorial side to product. Um, So it was really interesting to hear how he's starting to have the teams work together without losing any of their independence and some of the ways that they work on communicating with each other. What were your thoughts on it, Michael?
0: Yeah, so I loved kind of the way he talks about communicating with his design team is totally applicable to anyone who is working on a project that as designers. So he gives some really good tips about how to start fostering that communication and feedback loop um, that has really worked well for him. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to Max of Y Decision about why he uses Hover. I
3: was using Enom and GoDaddy for domain registrars, and I was looking for something different. I came across uh, Hover then. What I really liked about Hover was it was easy to use. I had a clean interface. I'm a designer by heart, so I, I like things like that.
0: Go to Hover.com and use the code Customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today. HostGator is the easiest way to get your business up and running fast. This week, I talked to their marketing coordinator, Kyler, about his favorite part of working at HostGator.
3: See, my favorite part is when I get to go to trade shows and get to meet people who know who we are. People will give me hugs, uh, people talk about how much they love us, and that's my favorite part. It's getting to see that kind of stuff. Go
0: to HostGator forward slash promo forward slash rocket ship to get 30% off today.
3: You've heard me rave about CodeShip before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early Access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship.
0: So you are the, you're the VP of design at BuzzFeed now. This is a relatively new position. Tell us a bit about what your your kind of role is there at BuzzFeed now.
3: So we're still figuring it out. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little vague um, on purpose, I think. Bussy's it's pretty big. So we're about 800 people now. Oh, wait, 900 people now. It's pretty large. And so design means a lot of different things here, right? So like there's a uh, product design team, which works on the tech side that works on like, obviously the website, the apps, uh, all that good stuff. And then, but then there's like an entire editorial team, which has design inside of it, right? So like art directors, photo editors, photographers, that sort of thing. Then we have like a marketing team that is designed like, designers on the marketing team and then we have a creative team that works with brands to like create content uh which also has like three or four designers working on stuff over there and so like what's interesting is the only group that is you know i'm directly like managing right now is the product design team but i'm actually in a lot of conversations now across the entire org uh so i've been kind of consulting with the editorial team to kind of help them figure out how to scale design and like what kind of roles they might need and helping them like define those roles, going to interview those folks and stuff like that. So even if they like aren't, you know, reporting to me directly, which I don't really care about that much, like (laughs) trying to just make sure that we're all thinking in the same way about this stuff. Um, and staying connected is going to be really important. I think that's what like the role is meant to be. So yeah, so that's kind of what I'm up to these days. (laughs) Not very much, just a little bit, little something.
2: So tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, how do you keep all those different teams kind of on the same page with the same brand message, at least the same kind of feel and still kind of allow that creative Genesis to happen within each design team?
3: Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be the challenge, I think. So right now there's not a lot of overlap between even those teams just talking. So we're starting out pretty. S- with, I'm starting out with pretty small things, just to get people to even like see each other regularly. Is going to be important. So, we started a thing on Friday afternoons. I actually, like ripped this right off of Etsy, <laughs> like, where I worked last. Uh, we have a Friday like design club where all of the designers from the entire company are invited to come to this thing, and like uh, we have guest speakers or the designers themselves will talk about themselves, like in their life a little bit. it's just kind of a nice time for everybody to see each other. And the first time we did it, like so many people were like, "I've never." seen half of these people before i didn't even know they worked here right so <laughs> that's and that's crazy. only going to get worse like it's getting bigger <laughs> like really fast so right, um, right so the more of those things we can do right now you know there are other teams here there are really cool people doing really cool work and at least we should just be sharing and talking about it um, so that'll be the first like small thing we do and then i'm still trying to work out like how to keep the like connective tissue between everything now as far as like letting keeping things consistent but also letting people experiment like that's, um, I mean, experimentation with content types and design is like a big part of BuzzFeed's culture. I mean, a lot of the formats we have today, like, were because editors experimented with and, like, kind of uh, broke the CMS that we built a little bit. Um, they're constantly, like, pushing okay. the boundaries of what our CMS can do. And, like, uh, I'll give you a good example. So, like, we have a long-form content type, which is, you know, it's, it's long-form reporting, right? So, it's all, it's really beautiful. You can get big images, it's set in a different typeface. It's, it's pretty nice. There was a photo editor who like, wanted to do a long-form like photo essay and used the long-form like CMS format to build this photo essay. But it's not built for that, right? It's not designed for that. Um, and that was clear when it posted. And we were like, oh, whoa, like, that's really interesting. We should design something so that works really well. And so that's what we're working on now. That's one of the like, many, many things that we've worked on recently. So it's like
0: editorially
3: driven design. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, it's really interesting. BuzzFeed is so much about the content, right? It's all—it's so much about the photos or like the uh, reporting or the, mm-hmm. the hilariousness of the quiz or the list, right? It, without that, like the design doesn't matter so yeah. much at all. And so we're, I think we design less for like, you know, for design sake or for like, you know, like, typical product design, like it's not so much about the flow a lot of the times it's about like just making sure the content's presented well and like, and is free of distraction as much as possible.
0: How has that changed for you coming from Etsy, a kind of a marketplace and then approaching editorial?
3: Yeah, it's way different. Uh, uh, I bet, yeah. Yeah, Etsy, it's funny. Like there's a lot of knobs you can turn in Etsy, like tons and tons of knobs you can turn to get different results. And like at Etsy, like metrics you might look at would be anything from like, you know, add to cart rates to conversion rates to favoriting rates, all, all these different things would kind of add up and might like, it might be wins for the company. Like mm-hmm. at Buzzfeed, I'm sure there's still a lot of like knobs we can turn and stuff. But the, uh, again, like the work that we're doing is very, very different. Like the flow of things outside of the CMS, like on the article formatting side, it's not really a flow so much as it is like, let's push things out of the way and like make a great reading experience or like a great interactive experience. And that's kind of it. Like someone may hit that, Share it and then bail. I think like our so our publisher Dow Dow Nguyen who is the uh, she's kind of like running everything. <laughs> she uh, she said something along the lines of like you know if I had two users and one of them came to BuzzFeed and read ten articles and they flowed through all these articles and they left BuzzFeed and then we had another user who visited one article and shared it on Twitter or Facebook like I actually prefer that person right so that's like the kind of metric we look at is like sharing is kind of like the Core metric. And there's not a lot you can do to like boost that except for like make good content and make it easy to share. And that's it.
2: So what kind of collaboration happens between like the content creators and the design team?
3: Yeah. So the on the product design side, we're tr- we're trying to find more ways to be even more in touch with the editorial team. But we're so we have a few email lists that like, like features at buzzfeed.com or whatever that like is an internal email list that like the editors all use to like send. Requests or bug reports through to the product side. We're constantly watching like what people are posting. Constantly like talking to the editors, like while having them like use the CMS, watching them use the CMS. And I think like you know one of my goals. It's so funny like the uh, the editorial team all used to be in this building that the rest of the company's in, uh, but we outgrew this building, so now they're across the street, and everybody's super bummed out because they used to go talk to them a lot more. <laughs> and so at the end of the year, we're moving. And we're going to be in a bigger building where we can all be again together. And like I think like people just seem to walk around and talk to each other a lot, which is nice. But I think like there's just it's so funny. It's nice to have all of your users in the same place as you. You know what I mean? It's like they're all in the building, and so you could yeah. like user testing isn't like let's go find somebody on the street and bring them in. It's like no, no. Like they're right down the hall. Let's like go talk <laughs> to them um, and show them this thing we're working on, and that's pretty magical. So I think there's gonna be a lot more of that going forward. It's just like right now it's kind of a pain because of the like geography of it. But I think once we move back in together, it'll be like even well, we'll do it a lot, lot, lot more.
0: You do obviously a lot of collaboration with the design team. And I I'd love to kind of see how you approach feedback and iteration inside of your team. And maybe even if you have some kind of managerial tips for Talking and giving feedback on
3: uh, design comps and ideas. Yeah, totally. Um, you just tell them what to do, right? That's the <laughs> <laughs> just say make it blue. That's, that's how it, it works. It right? <laughs> yeah, like make it pop. That's, that's right. <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) What are some
0: of the things that you maybe avoid or, or what are the, some of the the kind of phrases that you use that, that tend to to ease that conversation?
3: Sure. So the way it works here is actually pretty, I brought a lot of stuff over with me from Etsy uh, that we were doing there. And so what we have kind of the cadence we're in is we have one design critique on Tuesday afternoons um, every week. And it's about an hour and a half, three designers it's on a rotation. uh, So three designers go each week and like, they have half an hour each to kind of deep dive on their work and get feedback. And like what we ask the designers to do is like come in, not just present the work, but come in with questions about their own work. So what are things you're worried about? Where are you stuck? Like what doesn't feel right to you? And you don't know why, because then it's a little more focused. Cause like anybody can like show some working like, and then a whole group can shotgun feedback, right? You see that mm-hmm. all the time. I'm very good at that. Like I'm ready. Like, let's just, show, I'll tell you everything that I think <laughs> is wrong. But what I'd much prefer is like a designer, like, to walk out of a critique with actionable things that matter to them, right? So, like, I, I, we've all been there where we've shown work, everybody's giving you so much feedback except for about the one thing that you really needed help with, and it's such a bummer to walk out of there like that. So, so when they come with that, that's really helpful. The other thing we're using is uh, Basecamp for all okay. design work. So it's not where like you can use it for project management, but we're not really doing it that way. We're using it just to post, like, to basically like document the entire design process from start to finish. So what you get is, you know, a project to kick off, the designer will write down the problems they're trying to solve, the like, strengths of the current product, if it exists, that we don't want to lose, and then the uh, kind of design goals and product goals around the project. And that's all they'll do. That'll be like the very first post. It'll happen like same day as the kickoff meeting. And that's like a great way to make sure that you're aligned with the product person and the engineers on your team. Because we've all had those meetings where you walk in, you're like, okay, I think we all get it. And then you realize, you know, three weeks later, no one got it. And you're all, (laughs) you all thought completely different things. And now you've wasted three weeks and everybody's upset.
0: Is that kind of a natural process you find for designers to come in with those questions? Or does it take a little bit of coaching?
3: Uh, To come in with
0: kind of like their worries and fears? Because a lot of times you make a design, you're like, it's good. Like and then you get you get like the pushback when you start getting feedback. Uh, how do you avoid that?
3: Yeah, I think the I think making it kind of compulsory is a good way to force people into it. It, it like I think when people the designers that do come in and think that oh this is just great the way it is mm-hmm. like it's just because they haven't stopped to really like think critically about it. I've never I don't think I've ever had a design that I've been like yeah totally hundred percent like nailed yeah. it like <laughs> never even after we ship it right it's never. Never That's when you see all the holes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually the worst moment because you hit the button and you're like, oh my God, wait, wait. And it's already out in the world. But yeah, I think the compulsory part is like you have to, you you have no choice. Like you're coming with three questions or concerns no matter what. And so, you know, it forces you to look at it super critically. And I don't know. I've never, I haven't really had a problem with anybody coming in just being like, oh, I couldn't think of anything. It's all great. Like I haven't had that happen okay. yet. Um, <laughs> But if that were to happen, I would, I mean, my response would be, okay, well, like, let's look at it and like, together, you mean just the two of us and like, I can help you start to pick this thing apart a little bit. So how do you
0: approach the problems where like, you know, maybe a suggestion has come up, but it hasn't been addressed in the design after a couple iterations? Is there a point when you'd step in and say, hey, we really got to look at this
3: piece? Yeah, the nice thing about Basecamp is it's supposed to be kind of ongoing, like there's no schedule Mm -hmm. to it. It's just to be happening all the time. So The other nice thing is like once if you're in a critique or if like I talk with someone one on one about their work or whatever, one of us will document it in that thread for that product. And it's been it's kind of interesting to see like, oh, it's documented here, which makes them way more likely to be responded to. And it gives more accountability to people. Right. Because it'd be really easy to be like, oh, I forgot we even talked about that or whatever. But like if you have to quickly like throw down bullet points in public of like the things that you just talked about with me or with like the design team, like it makes you more accountable for addressing those things. Even if the answer is like, I tried a few things and I, I I can't fight fear anything better. So like, we're going to roll forward with this. Like that's okay. But yeah, I mean, I just find documentation such an interesting thing. Like public documentation of a process means that you're way more accountable for that process.
0: Yeah, no, that's very cool. And I never thought to use Basecamp in that way Mm -hmm. beyond just like the, Hey, here's a comp and here's all our feedback on it. And then, I fixed all your issues, I kind of <laughs> right, which is a terrible process, right. but <laughs> so how do you um bridge the gap between the design and the engineering when it comes in? How involved is the engineering and the design process and and how do you kind of bridge that handoff
3: currently it's we're still working on that on that relationship a little bit. I think the engineers and designers all like each other a bunch. We recently kind of I, i'm going to say reorganized, but we actually like kind of organized the teams into more like more like permanent teams. So before we were just kind of just like bouncing around between things, you know, it's like startup stuff, right? Uh, you're bouncing between a lot of projects. You're like, not really dedicated to anything. And the engineers too, were like kind of bouncing around. Sure. So now that we have them like kind of together, right? We're like, okay, like these three engineers, this designer, this product person are all going to like concentrate on this area or this feature that gives us a lot more opportunity to bring them in early into the design process. Right. So like that base camp thread I was talking about from the very beginning, like all of the engineers for that, product or on that thread with the designers okay. and so they can start to like the hope is that we can kind of drag them into the design process and be like hey like give us your feedback um tell us what you're thinking like tell us what you think won't work like I, i've met very few engineers who don't really care about the product they're working on um and want and don't have a lot of opinions about where we should be going or what we should be thinking about and the other nice thing is like engineers have such a different set of like cares and concerns about like the stuff mm-hmm. we work on. And it's just so important to make sure we're taking that into account as early as possible. Right. I mean, how many times has a designer like gotten through a process and like handed it off just to be told like, Oh, this is actually incredibly difficult. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we, we can't do that in the time allotted. Right. Uh, yes. And that's yeah. a huge bummer. And it's just, it's a bummer for everybody. Right. The engineers don't like saying no, cause it seems cool. Uh, and the designer doesn't like that. They waste all this time working on something that's not like doable. And so the early, mm-hmm. again, like, the earlier we can just bring people in and get them looking at it and get them thinking about it. The earlier we can find those things, and when we just when we do start implementation, or not the end, like in the middle when we start doing the implementation, like everybody being totally bought in because they had an opportunity to like influence the direction of the product is going to be really helpful. Um, it makes like sure. change way yeah. easier. It makes building it way easier. So yeah, so that's like I hope that's where, I think that's where we're headed. And also the other thing is we uh, so at Etsy, all the designers were also front end. Like, they all wrote front-end. So okay. HTML, CSS, oh, some of them yeah. got even deeper. Like, some of them were, like, writing JavaScript and even some PHP, uh, which was nice. pretty nuts. But yeah. uh, and here, we're starting to move towards that as well. Uh, starting to, like, uh, we started a thing called Design Tweaks, where once a week, a couple designers and a front-end engineer get together, and they kind of work through design bugs on the site and, deploy- and like, basically push them into the code base. So the designers are getting, like, the designers who haven't coded before, haven't had that opportunity, have, like, a kind of safe place with, like, an engineer to work with uh, where they can learn front-end and also be making, like, impactful changes, like, on the website, which is pretty neat. Um, yeah, I know that's so kind of an age Yeah, like, debate. we're going to start bringing those things closer together.
0: Yeah, I know that's kind of an age-old debate with designers and do they need to learn how to code But I I feel like when at least the HTML and CSS can be implemented uh, by a designer, it kind of solves that like your pixels are off or it's different from my design and and really lets the designer craft it in the medium that it's going to be, you know, represented in and absorbed in by the audience.
3: Yeah, so it is is an age-old debate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, There are many, many uh, thought pieces by thought leaders on the topic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know Have It's you really written fun. one? I, I wrote one at some point yeah you it, did, was actually, okay. it was I th- the reverse I I it was, it. actually because I whenever I talk about designers coding I always get some question some snarky question from a designer that's like well why don't engineers learn to design and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like actually that's the point like that's a really good idea right like that's why we try to bring yeah. <laughs> them in and it's so funny I mean my personal like opinion is that like we're asking engineers to come into the design process, right? We're trying to get them involved super early to think about things the way we think about things. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem particularly, uh, equitable for us to like demand that sort of involvement and then be unwilling to go the other way either. You know yeah. what I mean? It feels like a very strange, yeah. like imbalance to be like, no, no, you should be part of my process, but I'm going to like shield myself from yours. feels strange. Yes. Um, yeah. And then the other thing you like just noticed, and this is like, I don't know, this is, more of a blanket statement that's means it's completely wrong. But what I've noticed about like generalists, the people that can like that tackle UX stuff and like think about that a lot. And then also like pretty strong visual designers and also work on the front end of things. Is, like those are people who adapt really well. And so when you see things like, uh, Oh now like mobile prototyping is becoming a huge deal. Like the people yeah. that are diving into origami or courts and Quartz composer and all these tools, like those are the people that like, those are the same people. Those are like the generalists that just can't take it that like that, like they can't, you know, they want to own the whole thing, right? Like yeah. they just can't take it anymore. And so they learned this other piece of design or they learned this new technology or whatever. And like, I, going to be super valuable to any organization as it grows because like this landscape changes so quickly that for someone to be like stuck in their tool or stuck in their silo of design, like doesn't like, I don't think that's very scalable.
0: I agree. Yeah. And I feel like HTML, CSS at the very least is, is becoming more of a design tool than a development tool. Oh yeah. Um, in the sense that that's how designers communicate their work online. And if, if you stay in Photoshop, I don't know if you fully, it's like drawing when you need to be painting almost. And so your work isn't fully represented.
3: Right, no, I mean, like, like I mean, Framer me. JS is yeah. so interesting. Like, I, I really yeah. dig on JS. We've been using it a little bit here, and it's like, man, like, y- Quartz Composer is pretty crazy. Like, that's all, like, that's, a, the learning curve is very steep. It can do a lot, but the learning curve is extremely steep. But, like, Framer yeah. is just, like, I mean, HTML and CSS is pretty simple. Like, I mean, yep. just, like, relatively, <laughs> it's pretty simple um, to pick up. And then JavaScript is, like, or CoffeeScript in this case is, like, not that far away. Yeah, I don't know. It just it's so powerful to be able to build the thing. And then also, again, like, it starts to like, I don't know, like, whenever I push code with engineers, like I like, that relationship becomes tighter, which makes the product better. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. So yeah, I don't know. I love engineers they are my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> they make the world
0: happen. <laughs> I'd love to hear kind of on the same vein, but when you're looking to hire designers, is there anything in particular that you do when trying to see if they're a good match for your team and kind of get a, an idea of their skill set and style?
3: Yeah. So when I talk to designers, I, so the, there's usually two phone screens before we bring someone in for an interview loop. And the first one is usually just me talking to someone about like just BuzzFeed making sure that they, that what we're working on seems exciting to them, kind of talking to them about what they're working on, what their process looks like. Those are all pretty, like, I mean, the, what your process looks like is pretty revealing. I mean, it'll tell you a lot about, like, what someone does, what someone doesn't do. And then the second interview is, like, more of a deep dive on work, and that's where it starts to get, like, pretty interesting because we ask to, like, see... The second interview is, like, hey, like, Google Hangouts with us or come in and show us, like, show one person, like, two or three projects you've worked on, Right. Okay. Um, and what we ask for is not like, I don't really care about the finished product. Like I, I want to see the really messy part. Like I want to see like yeah. the stuff that you tried that didn't work. I want to see the sketches that you threw away or, uh, or the thing you deployed that like totally tanked. Um, and you had to pull it back. <laughs> like, show me, show me all of these things. Right. Uh, or show me something and show me stuff and tell me what you shipped and why you're not happy with it too. Like what are the things that you wish were different? Cause there's always that. And it's funny. A lot of folks like show just like here's the polished like sketch file at the end, and like that's all they show is like here's this polished work, and there's no there's no errors, there's no uh, second iteration. It's just like just that one thing, that one artifact, and it's just I don't. I'm like, did you only do this one thing? (laughs) Like, like (laughs) how do you know? Because if you did, if you only did one thing, you're definitely wrong. (laughs) Like that's like like. I've done twelve things and still been wrong, so like, I'm pretty sure this isn't it.
0: So you're looking for like the the thought process behind the design rather than the the finished product when you're when you're going into interview.
3: Yeah, and I want like it's it's even like just I mean it's thoughtfulness. You know, it's like mm-hmm. even I mean I I definitely get like I worked at startups where you're going really fast and like maybe you only got through one or two passes of something and you had to ship it, right? But being able to talk about that. And talk about why that, like, you know, again, like, we only, you know, contextualizing it basically and being like, yeah, so we had three weeks. We did this really fast, had to ship it, like, and kind of here's what we did. Here's what we learned. Here's what we would change if we were going to do a second version because of what we learned. Like, I mean, it's just like all these little, like, thoughtful things that even when you're moving really fast should still be in your head. What's kind of next for you in BuzzFeed? Uh, You know, not a lot. Just, you know just just you know full things. internet takeover i think is
2: what's is the plan. what are the top 10 things that you and buzzfeed are working
3: on? well so you have to you have to make it an odd weird number so people will click you know it's like a 17 oh, things that's up next for buzzfeed um, okay what
2: are the three and a half things <laughs> that you're actually, focused on with
3: Buzzfeed? <laughs> that's actually pretty good yeah it's pretty good no i think uh so growing the design team is a big deal so like the product design team right now is at something like 12 people um and by the end of the year, we're it'll probably be close to double that um, if we can manage that. So that's going to hiring and recruiting, like <clears throat> awesome product designers is going to be like a big, big deal for me in the next year. Kind of growing these teams that I talked about, the kind of more focused teams, and making them feel like supported and like they have a lot of clarity, um, so they can like just execute against the steps. A big deal. So I, we've written a little bit about how. So we're uh, getting. I don't know if you have heard. We're getting really serious about the news. Um, we've like we interviewed Barack Obama recently, which is a big deal. I've heard. I've yeah. heard he's pretty cool. I've heard yeah. of him. Yeah. He's, he's you know, he's semi-well-known on the internet. <laughs> yeah, he's no at <laughs> right, Williams, not, but he's, he's right. <laughs> um He's no, he, you know, he wasn't the dress or anything. But uh, actually, no, wait, what color did you guys <laughs> right. think the dress was? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I saw white and yellow. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that caused a big, that was a big ruckus in the uh, BuzzFeed office. People were like, it was like, I thought people were going to like lose their minds. Everybody was really upset about it. Uh, it was, it was everybody, yellow and gold or gold and white. And other people are like blue and black. It was this really like hardcore. No, it's so, like we're getting serious about the news and stuff. And like, it's, we're, about to, um, we're working on a news app, um, which is very different than most news apps that I've seen anyway, which will be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And so we're going to, we're working on a lot of stuff like this. We actually just launched a new uh, game called cute or not, which uh, is, basically tinder for your pets so you can like you know uh you know swipe between you you upload your pet and you can see how cute people think it is and and that's actually doing pretty well uh and we're going to build a lot more like little cool games like that probably in the future i would assume but we're always like it's all experimental right like we're just experimenting 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 so if you're like super into that uh and you're a designer or engineer or something like you should definitely reach out uh because we're going to be building a lot of cool stuff this year
0: Awesome. And where do we keep up with you online?
3: Uh, So I'm just Cap on Twitter. And then I have a blog on the interwebs. Uh, It's just blog.capwatkins.com where I post stuff sometimes. Uh, Yeah, and that's kind of it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Looking for more entrepreneurial content? Check out this week's Zen Founder, where Rob and Sherry talk about raising entrepreneurial kids.
3: The book is
1: only $5 for a PDF or $10 for paperback and PDF. That pretty much wraps it up. Goodbye.
0: That was our eight-year-old pitching his book that he wrote, A Parent's Guide to Minecraft. And he wrote it in a Google Doc, and I helped him edit it and clean it up. And then he did a small print run. He asked us to invest in him to, to fund the physical copies of the book and ordered 25 copies. He's also selling uh, via PDF, and so he, he and I put together a, a little website, and um, he's done well for himself. He's saving up some money for a big Lego set, and he's already paid back his investors. So I've been pretty impressed with his project, and you know he has a little profit and loss Google spreadsheet that he and I keep up, and uh, I give him payouts as new money comes in for sales. Go to ZenFounder.com or search ZenFounder in iTunes today.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, Rocketship.fm.
0: And make sure to check out our app discount section, where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a rocket ship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials.